Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner Podcast. This is the podcast for lifelong learners where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason. And my name is Todd Hicksonbaugh. And today, we have a That great... felt really dramatic. It wasn't. Oh, well, whatever. Today, we have a great episode for you. We're going to be talking with Joy Reed, who is from Punchline Speakers and is the founder of Punchline. And we're going to be talking with Joy about communication, improving communication skills, different styles of communication, incorporating humor, all of that stuff. Now, you may be thinking, but I'm not a communicator. But the thing is, is that everybody's a communicator. Everybody has to has communication skills and needs to improve them. Because whether or not you're communicating on a stage, across the table, or to maybe one of your friends, we all have a point in conversations to work that we're trying to get across. And this episode with Joy can definitely help you improve some of those communication skills. And Joy lives in Paris. So just saying, it's really cool. You should listen. So if you don't want to listen to her because of her communication skills and all the experience that she has in that, just listen because she's in Paris. Just that's that's it. So Joy's interesting in, in how she's kind of learned a lot of communication stuff. She's watched a ton of people. But one of the things that she did was I found really interesting. And you'll, you'll hear this more about exactly how all this worked in the, in the interview. She took improv classes, which I thought was really interesting for a person who isn't necessarily wanting to be a comedian. She took improv classes just to be able to, to improve her, her communication abilities. And so her, she's a, a, a rather well-established communicator herself. And um, she's just a phenomenal person to learn from. And that's why we're so excited to be able to, to talk to talk with her. We're going to bring you our interview with Joy Reed right now. Well, hey, Joy, we're so excited to have you on the Learner's Corner today. Thank you for having me. It's great. We're excited to be talking with you about communication. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, communication is one of the things that we love learning about. And Joy uh, started this company called Punchline Speakers. And so we're excited to talk with her and learn from her about uh, communication tips and improving your communication. But why don't you start out in telling us a little bit about the story of Punchline and how it got started? Well, I had to start Punchline because you guys stole my idea for a podcast. That's um, true. <laughs> we did. We did. Uh, no, I love I, the name, I, by the way. I love, I love the, the name, Punchline. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was kind of uh, back and forth on that because I think sometimes people – assume that it's just going to be all comedians, you know, the punchline of a right. joke. But really the definition of punchline is, you know, it can be the end of a joke, but also a powerful statement, something that brings it home, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I started punchline with speakers that I personally know and uh, many I call friend and um, they're all people with something to say. And uh, so that's where I felt like I really appreciate comedy um, I love laughing and I think some of the best speakers use humor really, really well. So it was, it was, a uh, you know, some people were like, I don't know about that, but I was like, I, I think I'm going to go for it. So thank you. I'm glad you guys like it. <laughs> yeah. What, whenever it comes to communication, what do you think most speakers or people who communicate underestimate about it? Um, I think people, one thing in particular is, uh, listening. Uh, I would say that people underestimate the power as they're thinking about, I want to become a better communicator, um, that actually listening will be probably the number one thing that you can do. 
So when I was, I used to be a speaker myself, and um, I would sometimes do live Q&A at the end of a speaking engagement, and I was like, I, I want to be better at this, and so I started taking, this kind of goes back to loving comedy, um, I started taking improv classes because someone was like, that will really help you, you know, think on your feet, and what it ultimately ended up doing was helping me be a better listener. People, I, I tell everyone to take improv classes, and they're like, oh, I can't, I'm not funny. It's not about being funny. It's about learning to work with somebody else and communicate really well and create something from nothing. Mm -hmm. And so I think whether it's in your personal communication or being a public speaker, um, learning to listen in all areas of your life will help you be a better communicator. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what do you think people overestimate whenever it comes to communication? Or is there anything that people overestimate when it comes to communication? Oh, yeah. I think we all do. I think. Um, you know, I think we overestimate that everyone is going to communicate the way that we do. Um, I think, you know, like when I used to work at Nordstrom in college, I sold shoes and we had to go through this whole training of uh, mirroring your customer. And, uh, they, you know, they would say, if you've got someone that's really outgoing and excited, you go there with them. You get excited about shoes with them. If you have someone that's a little bit shy and reserved, give them space, um, you know, make them feel comfortable when you have, when you put their shoe on them. We, we actually had to put shoes on people. <laughs> um, and so that was really interesting. I was simultaneously, I was in communication studies in college and I, I, that, I think I remember that more than uh, some of the other things that I learned in college about communication is just like mirroring. Mm -hmm. And so I think whether you're in, in a relationship again, or you're speaking to an audience, um, realizing that they might receive and learn and fight differently uh, than you do. My dad always says, you know, about communication and, and men and women and, and relationships, like you're not wrong, you're just different. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably something that we overestimate. And so when it comes to public speaking, yeah, if you're just writing a, a talk to give and you're only thinking about this thing that you're really passionate about and you're not seeking to really understand the audience, then you're, you're, you're overestimating. <laughs> And assuming everyone's just like you. Who's somebody that, that you like, that whenever you're thinking about communicate, people who are just par excellence when it comes to communicating, like being yeah. able to give talks, who are, who's a person who you go to, to like learn from? Well, this is going to sound like a plug, but my father, I always say is one of the most brilliant communicators I've ever seen. And he was a pastor growing up. He's now an author and a speaker. And, um, I, so I grew up, you know, as a, a little girl in church watching my dad. And, and that's when I think I really first became intrigued by communication and disarming people. He uses humor really well. Um, and that's something that I've grown to appreciate because I see that the biggest influencers, again, this is with comedy, are, are, are people who can make people laugh. You disarm and then you hit them with kind of a bat of truth. I think Ellen DeGeneres does this really well. I think Beth Moore does this really well. And they're people who can get in the mind of the audience. They know the questions that are going to be asked. My dad does this well, too. He's, he speaks on marriage and relationships. And I, I can watch. I used to stand in the back of uh, his events, and I would watch people. And he'd be presenting a point, And I could tell people were thinking, oh, but what about, but what about? And then, boom, he'd come in because he, he had thought ahead. He got in the mind mm -hmm. of the audience. So I would say my dad. <laughs> That's fine. That's yeah. fine. We can say that. 
And right. what's your dad's name, just so that the audience? Can uh, Emerson Egrich. He wrote Love and Respect and has Love and Respect Ministries with awesome. my mom. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one other person that I really love is my friend Bianca Oldhoff. Have you ever heard her speak? Uh, no, but I know who she is. She works with okay. Propel Women, yeah. right? Yes, yes. And she is just, I literally, every time I hear her speak, I just get so fired up. Um, she also uses humor. She connects with such a wide variety of audiences. And I think that's another, I think there's a lot of people who have their lane and they stay in their lane. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think she does a really good job of, of connecting with people. So anytime I can hear her speak, I get, I get pumped. Um, so yeah, I could go on and on though. There's tons of people that I really admire. Um, my friend Liz Bohannon, uh, she's actually one of my speakers on punchline and she, um, she does the same thing. Like I hear her speak and I just want to flip tables over. So <laughs> <laughs> who are some of the funniest people that you work with? Like who are, who, who are some people who you've or not even work with, but just been around that like are just hilarious people to listen to. Oh man. Well, you know, I used to be on the relevant podcast and all those guys are, you know, Jesse and Eddie are just hilarious. Um, if you, if you listen to the relevant podcast, which is um, smart. You should what? be. I said, if the audience isn't, you should be. <laughs> um, yeah. So they're they're hilarious in real life and and on air. Um, well, you know, John uh, John Christ and uh, Trip Crosby are on my lineup, and they are hilarious guys. Um, I have a friend named Ross Kimball, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he used to be at IO. Um, it's the improv school in Chicago and you just just YouTube Ross Kimball and you will find some really weird and hilarious videos <laughs> that's awesome that's all I'm just curious about these things that's why I ask yeah <laughs> that's okay. what you're doing you're a learner yep okay so uh for humor in your speeches how do you go is like like do you have a particular method for deciding hey I need to incorporate humor into this part of the speech yeah, well, I think that's a really important question. That's something that I've thought through with a lot of communicators because you need to figure out your style of communicating. I think that's one of the number one things that people do wrong is they see someone that they like, they see a Bianca, Liz, and Emerson, and they're like, I want to be like this person. And it, people are intuitive enough to realize when you're not being yourself. <laughs> And especially on stage. And so the best thing you can do is be authentic. So I have some speakers who it's like, you're in that academic lane, you know, and it is okay that you stand behind the podium and that you even read your talk. Don't start running around the stage like, you know, Christine Kane or Brene Brown or somebody that's very animated when that's not you, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think it's, it's, it's getting in tune with that, having feedback from people of what kind of communicator <clears throat> you are. And then when you do decide to add humor, if you can pull it off, there's a couple things. You need to you need to be willing to risk that it won't work, but you have a higher chance that it will work if you practice it. And people will be like, well, I don't want to practice my talk in front of somebody. I can't do that. It's like, sorry. <laughs> you know, and if you can't, I get it. I can't practice a talk in front of like one person. That's just, that's too weird. But I would always record myself over and over. I would let people listening to my recording. I would listen to my recordings back. You can tell if the cadence of a humor, you know, piece works when you're listening back to it. Um, I would never suggest trying humor. That's something that you just thought like, Oh, I think this could kind of work. And you don't, you don't try it out. 
Um, unless you, unless you know that you're just super good on your feet and it's something that happens while you're speaking and it's something you can play off in an improv style, mm -hmm. um, that again goes back to like, can you be observant while you're speaking? Mm -hmm. And if you're not at that place where you've practiced enough, don't, don't try things that you, you, you really aren't comfortable with yet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Can you kind of walk us through a little bit of what your communication process looks like, like from the time? You know, either you decide, hey, I'm going to start working on this talk or, you know, maybe you're getting ready to speak for like a company or something like that all the way through um, like the rest of your communication process for you personally. What does that kind of yeah. look like for you? Um, so, so when I was asked to give a talk, mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, I would, you know, I think there's some people that, uh, well, everybody has a different style. Yep. But for me, I had to really get away. Um, there was a monastery in Oregon where I used to live that I would go to for the day. I mean, it's totally silent. The monks aren't going to bother you. <laughs> Even meals, they had meals, but everybody, you had to eat in silence. Um, and that quiet and that reflection and being in nature, there was no cell phone reception. That is what I would always have to do if I was developing a new talk. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then I would, you know, kind of sit with either what the topic was, what they were wanting me to speak on. I would pray personally. And, um, and then eventually I would start getting notes everywhere, pages and pages of notes. And, um, and I remember my dad, uh, one time told me, uh, when I felt very passionate about things that I wanted to communicate to the world. And he was like, Hey, that's great. Um, but if you, but nobody's asking you to come speak at this point. <laughs> um, and so you need to start writing because you don't really know what you're trying to say if you can't speak it or write it. And so since the latter, since no one's asking you to speak, write. And I did not like to write, but that process of writing really helps refine and, and fine tune what it is that you're trying to say. So then I would have all these notes. And then I would kind of, you know, ask myself those questions. What am I trying to say? I'm always really prompted to clarify um, through asking questions. So what is the audience wanting to know? Um, what is the question that I can, that I have the ability to answer? What's not in my wheelhouse? Get out of that, you know, and then try to simplify, simplify, simplify. I gave a talk one time where I was so excited about what I was talking about that I literally had three talks in a 45 minute span. I should not have done that much. I overwhelmed people. It was, it was too much. You know, I, one person was like, wow, that was, that was great. There was like six hours of content in there. And, and I know she was like trying to give me a compliment. I was like, I knew it. I knew it going into it. I had not spent enough time to simplify, simplify, simplify. Mm -hmm. So anyways, it's just like clearing through all of my notes and then practicing, practicing, practicing. I tend to memorize my talks. Um, so like I said, I record them and then I listen to them over and over and over, especially the shorter they are, the more that I need to memorize, um, the longer they are, you know, it's a little bit easier to have notes. So that's my process. I know other people have different processes. Do you, have you guys are pastors. You, I mean, what's you, you always have your three point sermon. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, I, I've, I've kind of learned, uh, that lesson that you said is that I try to communicate about one thing, one thing and that's about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a hard lesson when you get excited when you are a learner like you guys are and you're like man this is exciting i want to share this with, with everybody but people can only you know absorb so much content let's be and clear though actually, we're both look we're both youth pastors 
So our kids are like already watching the clock for when we're done talking the way that it is. Yeah. So like we get one about one point, anything after that, and they're at they're starting to ask when pizza's coming. Yeah, and it's pizza. They're for the pizza, but try not to take it personally. Yeah. Uh, what What are some ways in which you go up? You know, you've talked a lot about like getting to know your audience. What are some things that you've done to better understand you know the audience that you're communicating with? Um, I, I like think to, it's like to get to know your audience more. Yeah. Well, one a simple practical thing I do for my speakers um, that are with Punchline is in the contract, I make the hosts tell me as much as you can about the attendees from age to, you know, just what they're encountering in life, what their receptivity to this topic or event that they're going to be at. So the more I can know, then I can relay that to the speaker. And so a speaker might have a quote unquote canned talk. But I think as a speaker, you always want to be flexible and know how to shift and speak to the audience because it then comes back, like I mentioned, the best communicators I know are the people that are thinking ahead. Mm -hmm. So, and this kind of ties into the last thing you asked of how I prepare is I would always go through and ask myself these questions. What will they be asking? And I think, um, you know, it's tough for me. A lot of communicators in today's kind of communication world and social media world make really dogmatic statements and I always struggle with that you know even when I used to blog people were like you need to write three points to this or five ways to do this and I'm like I, that's just not in my nature and I think part of it is I mean there's it's helpful I'm drawn to those articles I'm like oh there's five ways to you know do this now <laughs> so I know from a marketing standpoint that it's smart but from a truly like thoughtful engaging person I I know that my audience is going to go, yeah, but, and, and so I always try to think through, um, what the yeah, but's going to be without making it this long convoluted thing that we were talking about where you've got too many things that you're trying to cover. So there's this balance of asking what's going to be in the mind of the audience with not going on 47 different rabbit trails, you know? Um, but I think the most simple <laughs> to answer your question in short I would say, what are the questions they're going to be asking? And the only way you can figure out what questions they're going to be asking is if you do due diligence to find out who your audience is. Mm -hmm. uh, mo moving on to talking a little bit about like communicating on video, uh, because at least for me, so the way that our church... He's cool on that. The way that our church is, <laughs> uh, we're a multi-site church, so we have multiple um, locations. And so sometimes we'll do direct-to-video communication. Yeah. So do you have any tips for like communicating via video? When he's talking to a camera, basically yeah. is what he's asking. No, I love helping people with this. I have so many little tips and tricks and things that I've had to learn over the years. Um, and it is interesting. I mean, some of the best communicators I know on stage live, you put a little camera or a phone in front of them and they just get weird. <laughs> Um, so one thing I'll share one thing that I always tell people is, you okay. Know. <laughs> okay, actually I'll give you two things. Okay. Let's, let's simplify it and say that it's, um, your, your iPhone that you have to film something for. Okay. And, um, you, people get self-conscious. They also, you can always tell when someone's not looking at the camera, but they're looking at the, themselves. Um, and so what I suggest is take a post-it and put it over the image part of the iPhone mm -hmm. so you can't see yourself. 
And on that post-it, write the notes of what you need to say, a bullet point of these things you have to cover. And then you've got your notes right in front of you and you are not distracted by looking at yourself and you're looking right at the camera. And that is that helps. And then also imagining your best friend. Like think through who's the person that makes you laugh. Imagine they're the ones That's on the other you, side of the screen. That's you guys. You just need to imagine each other. <laughs> um, but don't think of the thousands and thousands of people who are going to be watching this video. Just think of your buddy. Uh, it, it will disarm you. I even, when I used to um, make these YouTube videos that I would make, I sometimes would literally call one of my best friends because I was, get, I was getting to a point where I was like shooting five uh, videos in one day. And that was like, tiring you know i'm paying this video guy by the hour and i'm saying i only want to pay him for three hours we got to knock this out <laughs> but i would like lose my energy and i knew that that was going to come across on screen so i would like call a friend and i'd be like make me laugh right now and i would get them to get me laughing and then i'd go go and i would be thinking of her and i would start with a smile on my face because she'd just be making me laugh and now i'm picturing i am talking to lisa right now um, and those, those are two things that were always really helpful. Cool. I will never call you and ask you, Caleb, to make me laugh. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> make me giggle, Caleb. <laughs> make me giggle. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> what, what would you say are just some, uh, ways that people can communicate just their communication skills whenever they're communicating to an audience? Like, what would you recommend to people? Um, well, give me, give me an idea. Like, tell me something that you are feeling like you want to do a better job at. Uh, like transitions, like transition statements and messages. Okay. Um, well, if you are comfortable with movement and again, you have to figure out your speaking style. Um, I think movement can be a really powerful nonverbal way to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, uh, I, I talked to one of my speakers one time and said, you are a powerful communicator and yet you stay at the same uh, energy level for your whole talk. And so someone could be listening to them and say, wow, they're so energetic because they're staying up here the whole time. And da, 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 I know this is so great. But I, I know from an absorbing content perspective that that actually doesn't always work and I told him I said you need to have more of a roller coaster when you communicate so you could have someone who just talks like this and they're very nervous and they just the whole time they're just this is how they're talking and they just have to get up because they were asked to share about this thing and and that's just kind of you're like oh I'm taking a nap <laughs> but I would argue that the amount of content that you absorb from that person is probably the same as from the person that's yelling the whole time, because you, you kind of like get into a, like, you're just going for a ride. Whereas like a, a steady ride, <laughs> whereas a roller coaster, you know, I said, even if you start your story, if you step on stage and you're like, da -da 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 -da, you don't have to ramp up to that. You can start here, but then come down a little bit and then go back up. Or start and real quiet and then ramp up and then go down. But that like variation in a way, again, that's comfortable to you is going to get people to, to wonder what you're going to do next. Mm -hmm. 
as, as we're wrapping up, Joy, you know, one question that we always love uh, to conclude with is what are you learning right now? Oh, well, quite a few things. <laughs> I don't know if I mentioned uh, kind of how Punchline got started, um, but it was starting as my husband uh, got a job in Paris, France, and we launched Punchline one month before we moved internationally. So for all of you out there who are thinking about starting a company, I would say it's a great idea. Do not pair it <laughs> with an international move to a country where you don't speak the language. Um, it was uh, quite a transition. I definitely had days where I was like, what have I done? And, uh, but it's good now. It's, it's under control and doing great. But at the same time, like I, I needed to figure out a healthy work-life balance because I am learning so much about this culture. It is fascinating to me. And I would say one of the things that I'm learning for people who are moving abroad and moving to another culture, um, you know, even maybe, you know, people that live, you know, in the Northeast and are moving down South, like, um, it is really easy to have the life and enjoyment sucked out of like a new cultural experience if you don't shift your lens of learning. You guys should come over and do a podcast over here. <laughs> um, learning <laughs> about that. What did you say? We would love to. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think my husband and I have talked a lot about this because we've encountered other expats, people who've moved, moved abroad. And I've realized that there's sometimes this just like negative tone with other expats, like everything that's wrong about this culture. And I realized, I, you trust me, there are some things that are mind blowing to my husband and I mm -hmm. <laughs> of just how the French people do things differently. But at the same time, we desire to be learners. And so if you don't have that filter of like, this is interesting, why is this a pro? Like I see the con, why is this a pro and try to go, this is really interesting about the French culture. This makes me love the French culture. This this other thing makes me really appreciate my American culture. Mm -hmm. um, instead of being like, you know, France is terrible, America is great, or America is great, or <laughs> France is great, America is terrible. Um, we're just trying to kind of absorb and learn. Uh, so, I mean, there's a list of things about the French culture that I could share with you. I don't know if we have enough time, but <laughs> I will say that the surprising thing is they're very much like a, a save face culture, mm -hmm. uh, which I knew that was some Asian cultures, but I guess I didn't know the French culture was that way. And they get reprimanded for being wrong, but they don't get congratulated for doing something right. And so in the customer service realm of things, if they don't know the answer, they just tell you no. They just say no. It's <laughs> Say no possible. That's uh, it is not possible. It is not possible. Well, what we've learned, <laughs> it is possible. You just have to ask forty-seven times. <laughs> so uh, that's one of many really interesting things. But uh, on a pro, the way they do dinner and eat and just enjoy life and culture is something we have. I mean, you don't make plans in the evening other than dinner. Dinner is the evening, and I love that. <laughs> Well, Joy, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. If people want to find out more about Punchline and you know maybe schedule a speaker for an event or something like that, how can they do that? 
Yeah, just come to punchlinespeakers.com uh, and uh, if they want help with some of the things that we've talked about, I, we provide that as well. So, um, but maybe they got everything they need to know from this podcast because you guys asked all the great questions. <laughs> hey, well, thanks so much for joining us, Joy. Well, thanks for having me. Todd, what were some of our some of your big takeaways from our interview with Joy? I guess as I was listening to her talk, you know, it, it just seemed to me like she literally was learning from every type of person who's doing communication stuff. Um, she's she's learned from her dad, and her dad is a well-known pastor and person who speaks on marriage and relationships, and and so she started there, and then moving to studying comedians and, and people who are who are doing that to taking improv classes, like like we said at the beginning, and then she talked. She talked about that. Learning from anybody who is doing communication well and just picking up different styles and ways to be able to incorporate into our own style. I think that was the other really important thing was we all have a style that we need to develop and figure out. It's not necessarily that we're copying other people. It's how do we incorporate different things into our own style and what we're comfortable with. Yeah, and I think that was... You know, one of my big takeaways from it is that there's multiple different ways that you can communicate. There's not a one set, hey, here's how you need to communicate or speak from a stage or something along those lines. There's multiple, multiple different ways that people can talk from the stage and communicate and that it's important to figure out what your your own is and figure out what works for you and not try to be somebody else. And then double down on that. And then double down on it. And really just enhance it, work on it, practice practice it. Like she really talked about rehearsing and memorizing and practicing. Maybe you don't need to necessarily memorize it in your context, but still rehearsing it, practicing it, knowing what you're saying before before you get up there now. Yeah, internalizing it. That way you right. don't get up there and it's like, uh... And when I was younger, I used to, whenever I would do talks with, with high school kids I, and middle school kids, I, I wouldn't, I, I would have an idea and I would go with it and it always sounded disjointed and like it didn't make sense. Like sometimes when I'm talking to Caleb, it just didn't make any sense. And so learning to, to read over stuff, practice, think about it, really know what you're going to say before you get up there is so important. Now, on the next episode of the Learner's Corner podcast, we're going to be talking with Chris Hewitts. And Chris recently wrote a book called The Sacred Enneagram. And no, it's not a weird thing. It sounds weird, but it's cool. You may or may not be familiar with the Enneagram at all, but it's an incredible tool that has really helped me a ton. Um, just grow personally, spiritually, and help me better gain more self-awareness in the stuff that I need to work on in my own life. So we're really excited to bring that interview to you next week. And the best way to make sure that you don't miss our next episode is by subscribing to our podcast on whatever podcast player you use. If you want to show your appreciation for the podcast, leave us a rating and write a review of the podcast. It's one of the best ways that you can help us out. You can help us expand this conversation and we can continue to learn from everybody and continue to grow as, as leaders and as people. You could also just give us a shout out on social media. We love seeing people shouting us out. Hashtag popular. Don't use that hashtag. Use hashtag Caleb is awesome. No, don't use that either. Anyway, until next time, thanks so much for listening and keep learning and keep growing. <laughs>